Okay, so it's uh, Parshas Vayera. Um, these Parshas of Bereshis are always really action-packed. Um, just to start, as we always do, with a quick review, and overview of the Parsha. So, the Parsha begins, of course, with Hashem revealing Himself to Abraham three days after the Brit Milah, after the circumcision. He was 99, recuperating from the Operation. He gets three guests because he was upset about not having guests and three angels come to him. One of them, of course, brings the news that Sarah would give birth to a son. Um, then we have the uh, story with Sodom, that Hashem wants to destroy Sodom, which we're going to go into a bit today. Abraham pleads the case on behalf of Sodom, but is unsuccessful. Eventually the two angels come to Sodom. One saves Lot, one destroys the Sodom. Um, and we'll see what happened to Lot's wife in a few minutes. Um, there's also the story of Lot and his daughters, but we're going to go into that as well a little bit later. Later on in the Parsha, Abraham has to move away to, the, to where the Plishtim were, and Avimelech takes Sarah, similar to what happened in Egypt. But in a dream, Hashem warns Avimelech not to touch Sarah, and she's given back. Eventually, she has a son, Yitzchak. The bris takes place after eight days. Yishmael starts to torment Yitzchak and is having a bad influence, so he's expelled from the house with Hagar. Um, and uh, towards the end of the parsha, we have the story of the famous and ultimate tenth test of Abraham, which is the test of the Akedah. Now, we are going to go into a particular part of the parsha, but uh, just before we do that, just a couple of thoughts in the beginning of the parsha. So, Abraham, we always know the famous story that Abraham was sitting at the door of the tent waiting for guests and Hashem had made it a particularly hot day to prevent guests from coming. And yet Abraham was very, very distressed he didn't have guests. But what's interesting, just to analyze it a bit, and the lesson behind it is that is, Abraham was sitting there wanting for guests. Why did he want guests so much? Obviously because he was kind, he was hospitable, but he also had an agenda. As we know, a good agenda. The agenda was that he was on a, on a, on a mission to always publicize monotheism and the ways of Hashem. That was Avraham Avinu had dedicated his life to do that. And he did that through his hospitality. And here he was, 99, like time to retire. And he's just after an operation. And nevertheless, he's still on his mission. So that's a great lesson that we should never be satisfied of what we've done, what we've already achieved, what we've already accomplished. Um, and we... We always have to, as long as we're around, as long as we're alive, as long as we have some ability, we always have to want and execute that want and to do what we need to do. One other thing just to mention, uh, we say that Avraham Avinu Hashem visited Avraham Avinu on the third day of his circumcision. And he came, as we know, as Chazal say, Levaker et hacholet, to visit the sick. The Gemara learns from there the importance of visiting sick people. We are commanded in the Torah to go in the ways of Hashem. And the ways of Hashem uh, include doing the things that we see Hashem do. So for example, the Gemara says, just like Hashem buried Moshe Rabbeinu, so we have a mitzvah to bury the dead. Just like as he came to Yitzchak to comfort him after Avraham Avinu died, we have a mitzvah to comfort mourners. And just like he visited Avraham Avinu when he was unwell, we have a mitzvah to visit the sick. So that's on a simple level. But... We also know that on a deeper level, right, on a deeper level, there's something unbelievable going on here. And I'll just share with you an insight, a Kabbalistic insight, and that is that Avraham Avinu went through different spiritual stages in his life. So 
He was born into an idolatrous family. When he was very, very young, he recognized Hashem. Um, he came to Hashem on his own. Then last week we mentioned this, he was given the first mitzvah. The first mitzvah was to Lech Lecha, and then he was elevated to a whole new level. He became the first Jew. But he was still imperfect, so to speak, and he was only really elevated to an incredible level when it came this week's parsha after his bris miller. And then he merited to the revelation of Hashem. So by Yera Elav Hashem, as the parsha begins, Hashem revealed himself to Abraham. The truth is it says this elsewhere in, in the Torah, but the Mepharshim explained that this is a special one. In other words, Hashem, this he really had a revelation that was beyond anything that Avram Vino had ever had and something which he wouldn't be able to reach on his own and it came as a reward because he was engaged, because he passed the test of the bris miller, and he circumcised himself and he had that revelation. Um, the, the, the concept we see behind this Kabbalistically is that we say that Hashem came levaker et to visit the sick. Now the word chole, which is the term for a sick people, a sick person, has the gematria, has the numerical value of 49. Right? What's the significance of 49? So we know that there's this idea, this concept of 50 levels of Kedusha, 50 levels of, of, uh, of, of, of Hashem's presence, right? 49 is the ultimate level where a person can reach, but he's still missing something. The 50th level is the ultimate bond with Hashem. Which we, are, which we understand that no human being can actually reach on their own. And therefore, a person who reaches even the 49th level of Kedusha, of, as it's called Nun Sharebina, right? The 40, even someone who, visit, who reaches the 49th level, he's sick, because sick means he's missing something, he's deficient. Right? So when, when Avram Avinu reached whatever he could reach on his own, and he circumcised himself, which means he did whatever he could do in this world to reach the highest level that a person is humanly possible, able to reach. He reached the 49th level. Hashem came, to visit the sick. In other words, to fill in that one missing one. He came to the Chole, he came to Avram Avinu, who had reached 49 levels of Kedusha. And then he filled in, he healed Avram, so to speak. He filled in that 50th level. And that's when Hashem, then Avram Avinu had that incredible re- revelation. Just before we go on to the main topic today, just this fits in a little bit to a little interesting little cute story. Uh, that the Rebbe would often tell, because uh, it's coming up to the birthday of the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab, as we, the Rabbi Shalom Ber. Um, and he was born on the 20th of Cheshvan, which is always around this parsha. And um, at, when he was born, when he was about four or five years old, his grandfather at the time, the Tzemach Tzedek, was the Rebbe of Chabad. And uh, the Rebbe Rashab went into him to get a bracha for his birthday, around his birthday time. When he came into his father, his grandfather, he started to cry. So his grandfather said, why are you crying? So he said, because I learned in Chumash, in Cheder this week, that Hashem appeared to Avram Avinu. And I'm crying because why did he appear to Avram Avinu? He doesn't appear to me. Right? Which is a lesson in itself. A Yid, every Yid, even though a Yid is who's a, a child, spiritually speaking, always has to have the aspiration to be connected to Hashem and for Hashem to reveal himself. But the Tamar Tzedek answered him and he said the following, he said, when you have a Yid who's a Tzaddik, and at 99 years old, he decides that he has to circumcise himself. In other words, he's still growing and he still, he still has what to do and he still has what to fix. He deserves Hashem's revelation. Right? So that was the answer. So even though it says, Vayera Elav Hashem, other places in the Chumash, but they were talking about a specific, very, very 
special type of revelation which happened over here by Yera, which is Levaker Etachalet, to visit the sick, to fill in that gap that a human being cannot reach, which is the 50th level after the Choleh, which is the Gematria of 49. Okay. Now, what I want to go in today, I'm going to spend a bit of time, just a very interesting thing, I hope it's going to work, because it was an interesting topic for me to explore myself, which I've never really properly explored it, is the whole story of Saddam, right? But more importantly, the salvation of Lot. So Lot, Avraham Avinu's nephew, was, was re, uh, saved from the destruction of Saddam and Amorah. And you have the famous story of him being saved, the angel coming to save him in the Chumash, we read about it. And then his wife turning back and looking back and turning into a pillar of salt. Right? And I want to go into the whole story. So just to, let's, I mean, there's a lot to talk, we can go into it for hours, but let's just um, touch on a few interesting comments, a few interesting ideas. Particularly the story of Lot's wife turning into a pillar of salt, which is fascinating why that happened and what's the significance of salt and so on and so forth. Let's begin just with giving a bit of context. So the context is that we know that Saddam and Amorah were two cities and three around, and there were actually five cities around the, around the area, who were particularly wicked, unkind, and immoral. Right? So the uh, Medrash tells us, Chazal tells us, that the people of Saddam said, since you know, we grow the bread, the bread comes out of the ground over here, we are sustained, and so on and so forth. Why should we let anyone else deprive us of our wealth? Let us abolish the whole practice of, of, of putting up guests and being hospitable. And they became the most unkind and un, unhospitable people on earth. Immoral and, 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 and very, very unkind. And the Medrash goes and tells all kinds of stories about, about what they would do to guests and they would, they would pay, torture them and they, the whole thing, right? There was a, a, a story in the Medrash about Lot's wife. Now, Lot lived in Saddam, right? Why did Lot live in Saddam? Because the story in last week's parasha is that Avram Avinu and Lot, they had shepherds, and the shepherds started to quarrel. And Avram Avinu suggested that they part ways. But Avram Avinu still stayed close, but he said, you, you decide where you want to go. And it says in the Pasuk over there last week, Lot lifted up his eyes, and he saw the whole Sodom area as a very fertile land, and a great land, and he moved to Sodom, which was a criticism on Lot, because otherwise he knew they were wicked. And yet he chose to go and live there and to assimilate into the ways of, of, of Saddam. Avraham Avinu stayed close. However, and that's why Avraham Avinu still wanted to protect his nephew. And that's why we had the story also in last week's Pasha with the, king, the, 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 the war between the four kings and the five kings where Avraham Avinu gets wind of the fact that Saddam has been captured, which means Lot has been captured. And he wages war against the five kings, against the four kings who are the stronger bunch. And he rescues Lot. Okay. I'm telling you this about Lot because Lot, on the other hand, still had a trace of hospitality in his bones because he grew up in Avravina's house. Avravina was the opposite of Saddam. And in fact, the Medrash tells us a story which, which kind of highlights the wickedness of Saddam, that there was a story of a beggar that Lot's wife saw um, was, was really starving and she secretly gave him bread and the people of Saddam found out about it and they tortured her to death. And that kind of was what the Pasuk means in this week's parasha about that Hashem saw the cries of Saddam and he decided he's going to destroy the cities. Anyway, bottom line is Hashem has decided, Midat Hadin, the, the, uh, the, the power of judgment, that he's going to destroy the cities of Saddam and Amorah, and those are the five cities. And he sends, that's one of the reasons he sends the three angels. So the three angels came to Avram Avinu at the beginning of this week's parasha. One was to tell the good news that Sarah was going to have a child. 
Um, one was there to help heal Abraham, but also to go to Sodom to save Lot, and the other one was to destroy Sodom. Right? And then Hashem decides that he's going to notify Abraham what he's doing, because Abraham Avinu is such a trusted servant, close to Hashem, and it's etiquette, so to speak, that Hashem should let him know what his plans are. So he does, and Abraham Avinu goes all out, speaks quite firmly to Hashem, actually, and tries to save, save the city of Sodom. A very interesting part of the parasha. Well, please, he says, if you have 50 tzaddikim, could you, you know, how, how could you destroy Hashem? He says, I won't. He goes down to 45, and then to 20, 40, and then to 30, and then to 20, and to 10. Anyway, he sees there's not tzaddikim there, not enough anyways. And it's a lost case, and Hashem is going to destroy Sodom. The Malachim angels come to Sodom, and, and that, that day, Lot had been appointed, he'd been promoted to a judge of the city, and he'd been sitting on the city's gate. And he actually welcomes them in. But he's very nervous because he knows that's illegal in Saddam. He tells them to go a roundabout way, tells them not to wash their feet so people shouldn't think they just they, they came a while ago. And he invites them in, prepares a meal for them. It says, Umatzah is offer by Yechelemihiki, baked matzah for them, because it was also Pesach, don't forget, that matzah in Avramavinu's house also. And suddenly there's a revolt. The town of Saddam gets wind of it, and there's a whole siege around Lot's house. Thomas so they want to break the door. And they got smitten by Sanverium, it says in the past, that they became blind. They were able, unable to do that. Eventually it dies down. They tell Lot that we're gonna, they destroy the city of Zdom. They tell Lot, you're going to have to run away from here, you and your family. Lot goes out. He had four daughters in this, in this, at this time, at least. Two daughters were unmarried. Two daughters were married. He goes to talk to his married daughters and his sons-in-law. They laugh at him. They're not interested in leaving Zdom. Eventually they perish in Zdom as well. And he escapes with his wife and two daughters. Yep. That's just the context of the story. Now, what I want to do is I want to learn some Pesukim with you and then we're going to analyze some of this. The first part we're going to analyze is actually why was Lot actually saved and why was it so necessary for him to run away from quickly from, from storms. Let me just share the screen here for those on Zoom. There we are. Okay. So let's have let's learn number one and number two. So the Pasuk says, the, so the Malachim came, came before evening, they slept over in Lot's house. They told him what was going to happen, and then the following happens. And I'm going to just go through a number of Psukim and analyze each one, and then we'll get to the overall topic about the whole story of Lot's wife turning into salt. It says the Pasuk, the morning arose. The Malachim pressured, the Beloit Lamer, they say, please, quickly, Kum, get up. Kach es ishtacha, take your wife. Ushnei benoit secha, hanim and your two daughters that are found here, and get out of here quickly. Pen tisofe ba'avoyin ho'ir, lest you become consumed and destroyed in the, in the, um, in the transgression of the city, in the evil of the city. Says the next pasuk, Vayismahamo, and Lot delayed. He 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 procrastinated. So these men, meaning the malachim, the two angels, held him. and the wife, with the mercy of Hashem, and they took him out, and they put him outside of the city. Okay. So initially they told him, you have to get out of here because otherwise you're going to be consumed in the. In the, in the evil of the city, in the, in the sin of the city. 
Um, and he procrastinates, he doesn't want to leave. Says Rashi, right? Says Rashi. Vayismahamo, what does it mean they procrastinated? Kedei lahatsil es momoinoi, because it's an amazing thing, right? Sometimes people are more worried about their wealth than about their own lives. He, he procrastinated because he had wealth. So they had come to get out of the city, but you're going to have to leave all his wealth behind. So he was, he was nervous. Later on, we'll see another, another, another uh, uh, angle on that. But, but that's why... Now, before we go further, I just want to mention... I, I've, I've shared this, I think, a number of years ago, but it's such a beautiful thing. I'll just share it once again quickly. If you look in the handout, if you see the word Vayismahamo on number two, right? There. You see, there's a... Uh, you know, there's, in, in, in the Torah, we have the, um, the notes. The trop, it's called, right? The, the ta'amim. And on top of the word vayismahamo, if you look carefully, you'll see like a zigzag one. You see that? It's a zigzag. It's called the shalshelet. And it's read like that also. It's like vayismahamo. It's like, you know, it's like a sort of on and on kind of thing, right? So, it's a very rare music sign in the Torah. I mean, many of them are very common and they come up all the time. But this particular one, it's called the Shalshel, and it's very rare. In the book of Bereshis, it only comes up three times. Okay? And there's a very beautiful insight that Rabbi Sachs writes about, quoting from a very early commentator, I've got his name, where he explains these three times that Vaisma Mo comes, and he says that this, this letter, this, this, this note, it's a music, what he calls the music of ambivalence. In other words, it's like a struggle. You're delaying, you're not sure. Should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? That's why it's called the Shalshalat. And it comes out that it represents three struggles of people. How sometimes people are very slow to overcome their struggle because it's hard. And in particular, a struggle in three areas. The three areas where we find this particular music note. What is it? So this one, is, this is one of them. That Lot is ambivalent, he doesn't want to leave. He knows he should because he's going to be saved, but he's hesitant, he doesn't want to go. The other one is um, soon coming up, the story of Chaye Sarah, where we're going to have Eliezer get sent to, um, by Avram Avinu to look for a wife for Yitzchak, right? Next, next week's parasha. And he comes to the well, the famous story, and he makes that sign, which was, he was criticized for that because it wasn't such a good sign to make, but he says that he prays to Hashem and he says the following. He says that a girl will come up, I'm going to ask her for a drink. If she says, I will give you to drink and your camels, that's obviously a sign of a kind girl, so therefore that should be a good shidduch for Yitzchak. But when he starts off by preparing to choose a wife there, it says, and he said, the same note, Shalshelet is also on that, on that note. The last time we find that in Bereshis is by Yosef. So Yosef is sold down to Egypt. Eventually, he lands up in the house of Potiphar and he rises to prominence. He was uh, the manager of Potiphar's house. But the story ended tragically because he was thrown in jail. Why was he thrown in jail? Because Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. Right? And as we know from the Gemara, he almost succumbed. He almost failed. But the apostle doesn't say that. The apostle says, he refused. And he ran out of the house and then she reported him. She switched the story and he got thrown in the jail. But if you have a look on the word Vayimoin, you'll see it also has a shashelis. On the word Vayimoin, and he refused, it also has that zigzag note. Right? So what does that represent? 
represents three areas of struggle. So the struggle in this week's parasha is, 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 is obvious. It's the struggle of greed. Right? People have struggle of greed. They amass wealth. They want more. And they certainly don't want to part with the stuff that they have. And that was Lot's struggle. He's about to be saved. They tell him, you're gonna, you're gonna, we're, gonna save, we're gonna destroy the city. You can be saved. We're allowing you to leave, but you have to leave quickly. And by he hesitates. The struggle of greed. He doesn't want to leave his money behind. What's next week's struggle? Eliezer also had a struggle. It's the struggle of self-interest. Because, as Rashi explains to us next week, Eliezer had a daughter. And he kind of wished that Avram Avinu would take his daughter as a wife to Yitzchak, which Avram Avinu wasn't going to do, because Eliezer was a Canaanite, even though he was very good, but he was from Canaan. And Canaan were under a curse from Chom's days, in the story of Noach, where Hashem cursed Chom, and therefore Avram Avinu couldn't take his daughter, and he wasn't going to do that. But nevertheless, Eliezer wished that would happen. Even though he was a faithful servant to Abraham, and therefore Abraham gave him an instruction to go to Haran and to look for a wife, it's like he did it. But as he goes, he's still ambivalent about it, he's still hesitant about it. And therefore, when he starts his prayer to Hashem to find a wife and to give a sign how to, how to choose a wife for Yitzchak, and he says, but he really hesitates. Hesitation of, self, of self-interest, which he overcomes eventually. But it's a struggle. And the third struggle, of course, is the struggle of temptation. Lust. And that's what Yosef struggled. Yosef's struggle was seduced by Potiphar. Yosef was a tzaddik. But nevertheless, he was a young boy thrown into isolation. He was in Mitzrayim, far away from his family. He was in a very, very comfortable position prominent position, it was very tempting, and it was hard. Vayimoyin, he refused. If you just look at the word, it seems like he refused blank, point blank, but it wasn't like that. On the Vayimoyin, there's a, there's a zigzag because it was a struggle, the struggle of temptation. And that struggle, he overcame as well. So those are the three areas of, of, self inter- of, of, uh, of struggle, greed, self-interest, and temptation. The, all, that, all, all of those represent the struggle. The lesson, of course, is that the struggles exist, we have to overcome this. So back to this parasha, this was Lloyd's struggle, he was going to, he, uh, he hesitated, but he had to leave, because otherwise he wasn't going to be able to be saved. Okay. Now, let's have a look at the next, at the next passing. Have a look at number three. So, the Malachim are carrying him out, and they're getting him out of the city. Then, says the passing, when they were taking him outside, by Yomer and one of the Malachim said to him, "He molate al nafshecha, save yourself, go, move, al tabit acharecha, do not look backwards, do not look behind you, v'al tamoy b'cholakikor, and don't stay over here. Hehora imolate, run to the mountains, penti sofer, unless you get destroyed." Says, says. Rashi. Let's, let, let's have a look at two Rashis here. No, let's look at the first one. Okay. First Rashi. Al tabet acharecha. Don't look behind you. Says Rashi, why did the Malachim tell Lot not to look behind, not to look backwards? Says Rashi, Ato hirashto imohem. You were wicked with these people. And a bischus Avraham ato nitzel. It's only in the merit of Avraham you are being saved. Therefore, you are not worthy 
to look at their punishment you don't get the benefit of seeing them perish and you being saved because actually you were really part of them that's what, that's what Rashi says and therefore the Malach says we're saving you we're saving you in the schus of Abraham but you don't get to look at them so don't look forward and move away do not look back Sifsei Chachamim a, a commentary on Rashi asked the question he said like this he says he asked this question, this, this pasuk seems to contradict two psukim, one before and one after. The one before is the one we learned before. That they said, you have to leave because if you don't leave, you might be caught up in the sin of the city. right? Which from that pasuk seems, as we said before, that at the time, Lot was not caught up. He wasn't part of the transgression of the city. They're saying to him, you have to leave, we're going to save you, but you can't stay here because if you stay here, you will get caught up with the sin of the city. Which seems like that he, weren't, he wasn't at the time, right? And if you, if you stay here, then the schus of Avram Avinu is not, going to, is not going to save you because you're going to get caught up in the sin, the sin of the city, right? Says the Sizzah Chavim, no. The way it works like this. In other words, like this. So, so Sizzah Chavim's uh, question is like this. If, is Lot being saved on his own schus or in the schus of Avraham? So the previous past seems to suggest it's his own schus because I'm allowing you to leave. If you stay here, you're going to get caught up. Right? Which seems like he wasn't as wicked as that. He only will become wicked and then he'll get destroyed. But then the next passage we learn that actually they're being, they're being saved in the schus of Avraham. If they're being saved in the schus of Avraham, and what's the difference if they stay there or not? What's the difference if they're wicked or not? Anyways, they're being saved in the schus of Abraham. Says the Sifsa Chavim, no, it works together. They were not as wicked as the city, as the, but they weren't great tzaddikim either. No, Lot wasn't a big tzaddik. The very fact that he chose to live in Sodom was, was, uh, was a blemish, right? Nevertheless, at that, at, he needed both things. At the, at the time that he was in Sodom, when the angels came, he was worthy of being saved, not on his own merit, but at the time he was worthy of being saved in the schus of Avraham. However, if he would have become more influenced and become mamish part of the city, which will fit into something we're going to say later, then he wouldn't be able to be saved even in the schus of Avraham. For that, even the schus of Avraham wouldn't help. Okay. Now let's get to the main part that I want to actually really focus on. So if you have a look on... Number five. We'll skip number four for now. Okay. Number five. So they run out of the city. Vatabait ishtoi says says number five. Vatabait ishtoi ma'aharov, and his wife looked backwards. She looked behind. Vatihi netziv melach, and she became a pillar of salt. Okay. Says Rashi, and his wife looked. It doesn't say behind her. Ma'acharav means behind him. Right? Says Rashi. Ma'acharav shaloit. She looked behind Lot. 
Now she looked at the back of her husband, not so much on her. She didn't know so much look behind her. She looked at behind her husband, which we need to understand what does that mean? Like, what's the difference? She looked back at Saddam, that's the main thing, right? We'll come to that. But that's what it says. Next Rashi says, But the Hinatsiv Melach, she became a pillar of salt. Says Rashi, It's because she sinned with salt. She got punished with salt. What's the, what's the sin with salt? Says Rashi that the Medrash tells us the following story. Lloyd brought these guests in, right? Because he still had a bit of, you know, hospitality in him. Amar Lloyd said to his wife, at Can you please give a bit of salt for the guests? They need some salt. Amar Lloyd, so she said to him, Af haminag hara hazeh. What, this evil custom, you're coming to implement here? We don't give guests here. What do you mean guests? Right? Okay. So therefore she turned to salt. Now, a number of questions on this. First of all, what's the significance of the salt? What's going on here with the salt? Right? Meaning, what, she had a problem with the salt? She shouldn't have a problem that he gave them a meal? Suddenly the salt's a problem? And if... The meal wasn't made by him, which, by the way, seems to it seems to suggest the psukim. It seems to suggest that he made the meal because it says when he made matzah, he baked the matzah. It says it doesn't say umatzot afah that she baked them. It says afah he baked them. So it looks like he made the meal. No, so he couldn't find his own salt. So punct when it comes to the salt, he runs to his wife. Can you please give salt? What's going on here with the salt? Number one. Number two. Why was she punished? There seems to be a contradiction here. We just learned before that the malachim told them. Don't look back because you do not merit, you're not worthy enough to see yourself saved and to see their punishment. Right? You're only worthy to get saved with schus of Avraham, but if you look back, you're going to watch their suffering, you're not, you're not worthy of that. So she did. She looked back. So she was punished. Why? She was punished because she looked back. That's why she was punished. Now all of a sudden Rashi says, no, she was punished for a whole different story. She was punished because she didn't want to give salt to the guests. Right? Okay, so that's not such a question because I think it's one of the Mepharshim and Rashi, the Mizrahi says, it means like this, she died because she looked back. That's because she wasn't supposed to look back and wasn't supposed to see the city of Sodom suffering. Right? But why salt particularly, why that method of punishment, that's because of the story with the salt. That's what Rashi really means. In other words, she... She died because she was told not to look back to see the suffering, and she did. The question is, why did Hashem make that particular method of her being transformed to salt? That was because of the story of the salt. But we still have to understand what is actually going on here. Also, there's a bizarre story that follows this. And I'm only mentioning it because we'll need it for the explanation. Uh, we've touched on it before. It's a very fascinating, almost disturbing story, but it's a fascinating story, and we'll explain it a bit later. She dies, right? So what happens is, Lot lands up in the mountains in a cave with his two daughters. And they, have this, they saw everything being destroyed around them. They, let, they escaped. They were allowed to escape. And he lands up in a cave with his two daughters. That's what the Chumash tells us. And there was a bottle of wine there. And the older daughter says to the younger daughter, you know, the world's being destroyed. So there's not going to be any continuity. So she suggested, the older one says, suggested, let's feed our father wine that night and he'll live with me and I'll bury him a child, incest, right? That's what she did. 
And Lloyd didn't even properly notice what was going on. The next night, the younger daughter says she'll do the same. And they both became pregnant and they gave, and they gave birth to two boys, one boy each. One was called Moiov and the other one was called Amoin. They became big nations. They were the nations who fought against the Jewish people when they came out of Egypt, right? They were also the nations, fascinatingly enough, which we'll come to a bit later, where Rus came from Moab. And Naamor, the wife of Shlomo HaMelech, came from Amon. Right? Which means that David HaMelech came from Lot. David HaMelech came from Lot. Um, sorry, not David HaMelech himself. Yes, David HaMelech. Because his great-grandmother was Rus. And Moshiach, who comes from David HaMelech and from Shlomo HaMelech, comes from Lot on two sides. From both girls, from both, from both pregnancies, Ammon and Moab. And that is an important story for reasons which we'll see in explaining the whole story with the salt. But before I explain all of this, I just want to touch on a fascinating thing. If you go to the Yama Melach today, if you go to the Dead Sea, there are pillars of salt there. Right? You know that. And there's all question if one of those pillars of salt, in fact, Lot's wife. Okay? Why do I say that? Because in the Shulchan Aruch there's a fascinating halacha brought down. Coming from the Gemara. The Gemara says that if someone sees the wife of Lot, meaning sees the pillar of salt, which is the wife of Lot, he's got to make two brachas. One bracha is Dayan Ho'emes, that you normally make for a tragedy actually. Hashem is the true judge. It's a question of why, why that is, because it's basically understanding Hashem's judgment. He destroyed the cities and, and also the schus wasn't big enough for her to be saved. So, Dayana Emes. And also he has to make a bracha because you remember that Lot was saved and he was saved in the schus of Avram Avinu. That we make a bracha, Baruch Hashem, Zoycher HaTzadikim, that Hashem remembers the righteous. Not so much, it's not so much a reference to Lot because he wasn't that righteous. It's more a reference to Avram Avinu who in his merit, Lot was saved. Okay. That's the halacha. Interestingly enough, however, the Rambam, who quotes all the halachas of the Gemara, leaves that halacha out. He doesn't, he doesn't say that halacha. Right? Um, so there was someone called the Radal, Radal of David Luria from Bichov, and he says that actually Lloyd's wife is no longer there, and that's why the Rambam doesn't bring it. He, he brings some source that there was an earthquake around that area, and the Lot's wife was actually swallowed into the ground. And therefore, although there are pillars of salt around the Amalek area, not, they do not include the wife of Lot. Okay? Um, others argue. The, the Sefer Toysa Shalom brings the Allah and he says, no, it's still there. He says, you can see it. Now, I don't think we make that bracha today, because even if she is still there, I don't know if we know which one is hers. So therefore, we actually don't make, we, we, we don't make that bracha. But nevertheless, a fascinating thing, that this is a story that happened in the Chumash, and according to the Gemara, it's still there, and you can see it. There is a view that it's no longer there, but there are pillars of salt that you'll see when you go to the Yamamalach. Okay. So what's going on here? So I'm going to share with you an idea. It's a, an evolved idea. Coming from a... a, a some, I've quoted from before. From a thing that I get every week on the Parsha. Uh, this is from a couple of years ago. Um, it's called Shvilei Pinchas, from Rabbi Pinchas Friedman. And uh, he goes into a whole long explanation about what is actually going on here. He says a beautiful thing. He says the following. So we have to go step by step. 
Going back to the question about why Lloyd's wife is actually punished. Was it because she looked back? Or was it because of the story of the salt? And he wants to develop an idea that actually they're one of the same thing. They're actually connected. Why? It says the following. There's a, a concept that comes from a book called the Ponim Yofis. Ponim Yofis, some people also bring in the name of Shimshon Astropoli, a famous, famous commentator. And he said, what does it mean that the Malach told Lot and his family, Al Tabit Acharecha, do not look back. Now, you need to know, the word Acharecha has two meanings. Right? Acharecha could mean backwards, or it could mean afterwards. Right? In contextually, in this Pasuk, when the Malachim tell Lot and his wife, Al Tabit Acharecha, the context is don't look back. Don't look behind you, because if you look behind you, you will see the suffering of Snowman, you're not allowed to do that. However, they say, no, Al-Tabit Acharecha actually means do not look after you. What does that mean? So it means the following. We know that Mashiach comes from light. Right? I'll just, I just, I just share that with you. Ultimately, Mashiach comes from light. Light and his daughters, light, two give back, two, one son each, Moev and Amoin. Rus comes from Moyav, Naamo, the Shmurfaf Shlomamelach comes from, comes from Amoin. Ultimately, therefore, Mashiach comes from Lloyd. Now, I once gave a long shir, I don't know if you, if you were there, but a, a, a shir to explain that actually there's a fascinating concept around Mashiach altogether. If you look in Tanakh, every story that has the ancestry of Mashiach is a very dodgy story. Shrouded in mystery, right? So, Lloyd and his two daughters, Yehuda and Tamar, which we'll read about in a few weeks' time. You know, Tamar is his daughter-in-law, and then he lives with her, and then it's Yibum, and it isn't Yibum, it's not Yibum, it is good, it's not good. And bottom line, he gives, he gives birth to two sons. One of them is Peretz. Out of Peretz comes David Abelach. So again, same story, right? Um, story with David and Bathsheba. Very, very complicated story. David and Bathsheba is the ancestry of Mashiach, right? Bathsheba gives birth to a son eventually, and out of that son comes, um, comes uh, Shlomo Abelach, and that's... And that's, and that's uh, and, that, and, that's, and, that's, and that's Mashiach. The story of Boaz and Ruth, also a very strange story. She, he's much older, he's like over 80, she's a young girl, she comes at night, she lies down by his things, not appropriate, it is appropriate, not appropriate. Each story has lots of first, but of course they're all big tzaddikim, they don't understand them exactly how it works, but, but, it, but it's a very, all very strange stories. And there's a reason for it, because apparently, the, the, and, and in, a, in, a, in, a, in a nutshell, the way it works is one of the ideas behind it is that the Neshama of Mashiach is so high and so lofty that two things have to happen. First of all, the journey of Mashiach is such that it has to take place, has to be smuggled in, so to speak, smuggled into the world because the forces of evil are so hesitant because Mashiach's coming means the downfall, the bankruptcy of the forces of evil. Therefore, if there's any resistance to anything holy, the biggest resistance is towards the Neshama of Mashiach and that's why the Neshama of Mashiach says has to come through the back door. And that's why it's got to go through all these different stories where it's smuggled in, where the Satan and those in charge of the force of evil don't even realize that it's happening kind of thing, right? That's one idea. The other idea is that Mashiach will bring in a world that Mashiach will be so powerful that he won't be necessarily, his power will be that he'll be able to transform even those things that are very negative. Even those things that have fallen to the lowest levels of morality and ethics and so on and so forth. That's all part of the brief of Mashiach to elevate all of that. 
that's why the Neshama Mashiach has to go through, come through the, the, the pathways of what appears to be evil, what appears to be sort of shady, because that's going to be the ultimate power of Mashiach to elevate even those kind of things. That's just a little bit of context. But the bottom line is that the story of Lot is that Lot is one of the ancestors of Mashiach through Lot and his daughters. Which, and the, which explains what the Zohar says. The Zohar says that when Avraham Avinu went to Mitzrayim, you know, when he came to Israel, right? And he had Lot with him. And Lot wasn't such a fantastic guy. And when he goes to everywhere Avraham Avinu goes, he takes Lot with him. He says, Zohar, what was Avraham Avinu looking for Lot? Why was it so important for Lot to be on Avraham Avinu's side the whole time? He says, the Zohar, because the Tzofa Beruach HaKodesh, because Avraham Avinu could see with his divine inspiration, he could see with Ruach HaKodesh, that David Amelech is going to come out of Lot. And that's how Avinu kept a very strong eye on Lot, because David Amelech is very important. Avinu begins the journey of Judaism. David Amelech is Mashiach, is the ultimate destination of Judaism. Right? So Avinu is keeping a very strong eye on Lot. And that's why it says that it says that Lot, who was traveling with Avram, says also, says in the Pasuk, that Lot, in addition to the wealth that Avram Avinu had, it says even Lot going with Avram had cattle and sheep, the oihalim and tents. So the Chazal tell us, the Medrash says, what do you mean is he had tents? He had the tent of Ruth and the tent of Naamo Ha'amoinis. That's the means tents, because Avram Avinu could see these tents coming out of, 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 of Lot, and that's why he was so protective of him. Right? Which is also explains something I just said a few minutes ago, that when Avraham Avinu eventually had to split with Lot and he told him to take his, to take his pick of where he wanted to go, Avraham Avinu still kept very close. And that's how in the four kings and the five kings of the war, Avraham Avinu was right there on hand as soon as he found out about it to go and save Lot because his mission was to save Lot because he knew that Dovin HaMelech was coming out of him. So now we can understand like this. Says the Panami office. That's why the Malach says, you have to get out of the city. Do not look, not behind you, do not look after you. Meaning like this. Don't because, where do we find a similar thing? Find a similar thing with the story of Kairach, right? I'm going on a journey here, we're going to come back to the point after a few minutes. Kairach, you know, Rashi asked the famous question, Kairach got swallowed up in the ground, right? Kairach led this rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu, which was ridiculous. And Rashi says Kairach was smart. So what did he get involved in such a crazy thing? He was putting himself in jeopardy. He knew he was putting himself at tremendous risk. Says Rashi, Kairach was very smart, but Kairach also had Ruach HaKadosh. Kairach wasn't such a simple person. And Kairach could see that Shmuel HaNovi, right? Shmuel HaNovi was going to come out of Kairach. Yeah? So he said, I'm safe. I'm safe. I still have to have, maybe my family will perish, but I'm safe because I have to have another son. And if my sons get saved, I'll get saved. And he, didn't, he made one mistake. Why? Yes, he was correct. Shmuel Novi did come out of Kirk. But Hashem has many ways of doing things. What happened at the last moment? At the last moment, his sons did tshuva, and they were saved, and Kirk perished. So yes, Shmuel Novi did come out of Kirk, but not from me. But he had already had sons. And therefore it wasn't a problem. Lloyd had the same thing. Lloyd could see that Mashiach was going to come out of it. Which is part of the reason why he hesitated. 
wasn't sure. Am I safe? Maybe I'm safe. Maybe there's no rush. Says the Malach, get out of here. Don't delay. Hashem can find a way. Al tabet acharecha. Do not look after. Do not look into the future and think because of that future you are safe. You have to do what it takes now to save yourself because the future is not going to save you. Yes, Mashiach is going to come out of you, but Hashem has his ways. So don't think you and your family are safe because don't al tabet acharecha. Do not look into the future. Acharecha here meaning afterwards, not before. Now. Let's go back to Lloyd's wife. And let's go back to this big debate they had all about the salt. He says to her, could you keep a bit of salt? Which he didn't need to say because he made the meal himself. He could find the salt himself. He says, could you please bring a bit of salt? She says, no, I'm not bringing salt. And what happens at the end? She does look back or now we'll see she does look into the future and she turns into salt. What's going on here? So let's go into the whole idea of salt. Salt... We know that when we have salt and we eat bread. Why do we have salt? Because we know in the, in the, in the Gemara, there's a, in the Torah, there's a passage that says that when you bring karbonas, when you bring sacrifices, with every sacrifice, there needs to be salt. Every sacrifice needs to be salt. Says the Gemara, what type of salt? It's a special type of salt they used to use in those times called melach zdoimis. Salt that the, the sea in Yama Melach throws out. It's, it's sodomite salt. It's a very powerful salt. Incidentally, we have this concept which people used to eat the salt. The Gemara says that it's very healthy to eat salt after your meal. And they used to eat this melach sodomite. The problem was, that's why there was an original thing that when you finish your meal, you have to wash mayim achrem, you have to wash your fingertips. Which some say doesn't apply today. Why doesn't it apply today? Because the original halachic reason for it was because they used to eat the salt and that salt was particularly dangerous for the eyes. It could make you blind. And therefore you have to wash your hands to get rid of the salt, right? This salt, the one that kind of can, can blind you, was brought with every carbon, with every sacrifice. Why was it brought with every sacrifice? So the reason like this, Yonis Abishitz explains the following. He says the following. We know that every carbon, every sacrifice that was brought, was an atonement for sin. Right? The Ramban says that. The Ramban says that when you used to bring a carbon to the time of the Beis Samikdash, you have to imagine as if you really should be the carbon. You should be the sacrifice. Because we've sinned. Hashem in His mercy gives us a different way to achieve atonement. So we bring an animal instead. And we stand next to the animal and see what the animal is going through. And we do tshuva. But it seems like in order to achieve the atonement for sin. That the carbonus, the sacrifices brings with it. It's through the concept of salt. Why? As he says, because. Based on the posting and based on what the Gemara says. The Gemara says that the source of sin is the eyes. The Gemara says, we say in, we say in, um, we say in the Shema, Do not follow your eye, your heart and your eyes. The Gemara says that the Yetzirah doesn't, doesn't control you, it doesn't tempt you unless you've seen the temptation. Where do we find this? We find this in the very, very first sin of the world, right? The Nachash, the snake, which resembles the Yetzirah, comes and tries to convince uh, Chava to eat the fruit. Chava says, I'm not allowed to eat the fruit. He, he tries to persuade her. What's the next Pasuk say? She looked at the fruit and she saw it was very tasty. 
she hadn't looked at the fruit, it wouldn't be a problem. Right? She looked at the fruit, she saw it's, ah, oh, taka good, and she couldn't, get, she couldn't control herself. Light himself, we see in the Pasuk, when he moves to Sadoim, when Avraham Avinu says, let's split, it says he moved to Sadoim, what does he say? He lifted up his eyes and he gazed at Sadoim, and he wanted it. Right? Immorality, of course, comes from the lack of guarding one's eyes, so to speak. Right? So that's, that's also, eyes is a source of sin. Therefore, therefore, every carbon had to have salt. Why? And this type of salt, Melach Sadoimus. Because the salt, right, the salt represents a negative thing in the physical, but a, but a, a good thing in the spiritual. This is dangerous salt. It's salt that can blind the eyes. Now, blinding the eyes, obviously, is a terrible thing. But not always. There's a spiritual good blinding of the eyes. When you hold yourself back and you don't look at things you're not supposed to look at. And not looking at things you're not supposed to look at is the protection of sin. That's, and that's the source of tshuva. That's the source of, 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 of how you go away from sin. Right? You disengage from, from being involved in having to look at those things that bring you to do sin. Therefore, the, therefore he explains that every carbon had to have salt. Because since every carbon is a kapara, every soul is the concept of tshuva. Tshuva, you have to go to the root of the sin. The root of the sin is the eyes. And therefore the tikkun, the rectification, and the pathway to tshuva is the ability to hold one's eyes. Not to look at everything that you want. Not to look at everything that's tempting. Because that will lead to sin. Right? So now he puts it all together. I don't understand what happened. This is the way he explains it. Lloyd knew like this, that Sadoim's destruction is on the way. The Malachim come and, 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 and it, it warn him what's about to happen. They warn Lloyd that Sadoim is about to be destroyed. He understands, Lloyd understands that, oh, and this is what the Malachim did also. Why do they, they have to come to him anyways? Why do they have to come to him with a meal? Right? It's also an interesting question. Why do they have to have a whole meal by him first? Why don't they just come to him, tell him, listen, get out of here, we're destroying his name. Could have come in the middle of the day, whoop, out, we're destroying his name. What was the whole point of coming to him first? Him putting himself in danger because he was hospitable to them. Him, him, him now giving them matzahs, sleeping over, and then they go through the whole ordeal of, 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 of destroying his name. One of the reasons is, explains, because although Lloyd was saved, as we said before, in the schus of Avram Avinu, but he needed some schus, he needed some merit. Because he had assimilated with Zdoim. He had become part of Zdoim. Yet he was Avram Avinu's nephew. So they had to give him a chance to prove himself a little bit, a little bit of sechus, a little bit of merit on your own game. So what do they do? They, they, they ask him to put him up for the night. And he did. And he understood that I've got to have some sechus here. I've got to have some merit. So he goes to his wife. This is the debate. Interesting debate. He goes to his wife and he says, give some salt. Give some salt for the guests. Meaning, become part of the tshuva here. It was a spiritual discussion. He could have given salt himself. He says, you know, we need, to, we need to bring a carbon. We need to do tshuva a little bit of here. Otherwise, we're going to be destroyed. And she laughs at him. She says, well, what's this minagara? What's this bad minag you're bringing here? Meaning, you mean stupid. We don't have to do tshuva. We guaranteed safety. Why we guaranteed safety? Because Mashiach has to come from you. David HaMelech has to come from you. So she refuses. So he does a little bit of tshuva and she refuses. And the tshuva is symbolized in the salt, which is the root of sin, which, is, which, 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 which 
which is which is the protection of the eyes, which is the root of which is the eyes, the root of sin, right? So what does she do? She runs away from Zdoim, but she's she's guaranteed she's going to be saved anyway. Why? Because metabet ma'acharov, she looked back, but she looked forward. Actually, she looked afterwards. Doesn't say she looked, she doesn't say she looked after her. She looked after him. The Ruach HaKodesh was that Dovah HaMelech will come from light. So she looked, that's what Rashi says, she didn't look after, behind her, she looked after him. She knew that he has to be the father of Mashiach. So she thought she's safe. Because she's the wife. So what happens? She becomes salt. Because she opposed the salt. She opposed the tshuva. She opposed the tikkun. She didn't want to have any tikkun. She wanted to have any schus because she was so guaranteed. She was so protected. She felt so safe because she was looking acharov. She was looking after them. She was looking into the generations to come, knowing that Mashiach has to come out of them. Not in her wildest dreams that she knew how it was going to play out. It actually wasn't going to be from her. It was going to be from her daughters in the most bizarre way. But she thought, no, I, I can look. I can. I'm guaranteed because. I'm looking after Lot. I'm looking further than Lot. I'm looking to the later generations, knowing that Mashiach has to come from him. And that's what it means by Tabat Acharav, and that's why she was punished for salt. So really the two things go together. Her opposition to giving the guest salt and looking back was all the same thing. It was all about not wanting to engage in the process of having any schus, of having any chuva, of dealing with the root of sin on any level. Because she was sought, she was guaranteed because of the future generations. Light knew he wasn't, so he did do a bit of chiva, he put them up, he gave them salt, he, he was hospitable to them, and he gained the schus of being saved. So that's just a very, I thought it was a very fascinating analysis of the whole story with the salt, and why she actually turned into a pillar of salt, and what the connection to the whole story was. Alright, we'll stop there. Wow. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, that's pretty...